Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Good morning, Jonathan Krause with you here on Krause and Company on WHBY, a Tuesday morning edition as uh, we get to experience some milder temperatures again today. And uh, before we go back into the deep freeze for the weekend, we'll get an update on the weather throughout the day here from First Alert Weather at uh, WBAY. But speaking to the folks at uh, WBAY, we're going to talk now with Action 2 News this morning, co-anchor. Catherine Bracho, and first off, Catherine, thanks for joining us this morning on Crossing Company. I'm glad to be here. All right, so it's time to go inside the headlines. And uh, before we do that, though, a quick traffic update. How are we looking on uh, the I-41 mess in Appleton? Oh, boy, we really had a, a major issue there on that stretch of I-41 that goes across the north side of Appleton there and into Grand Chute. I talked to Allegheny County officials, and they told me they were dealing with at least three separate crashes in the southbound lanes of 41, roughly between like County A, which of course is Lindale, and then back north, uh, back to the Ballard interchange. And then the backup was back north of 441. It really was a mess for a while. Uh, They had crashes south of Richmond. Those are cleared up. And then north of Richmond, they're working to get those clear. But things are flowing a lot better through there now. All right. So some better news for Drivers in the area has, uh, I don't know, is that, uh, are we at the time of year when the sun becomes a bit of an issue as you head uh, east in the morning? I'm wondering, although if they were southbound, they would have been heading west in that area. So I guess the sun really didn't matter in that case. But uh, Yeah, it's, it's, you're right, though, that that changing light can certainly be a factor. Um, I, I asked officials in Outagamie County if they have any idea about a cause, and they said that you know, our call, the callers who were letting them know about things initially didn't mention any slippery conditions, and we certainly weren't seeing that either. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to know, and sometimes one crash can lead to more, Yeah, no matter the conditions. On to uh, some of the news that you had this morning on Action 2 News this morning, and uh, we now know who won that big $316 million Powerball jackpot lottery uh, in Ashwabanon. Who was it? Well, a wonderful couple named Tammy and Cliff Webster from Oneida. So you might remember that Powerball January 5th, it was monstrous. It was $632 million and two tickets won it, one of them in California, and then Tammy and Cliff Webster had the other one. So you're right that the, their half was 316 They opted to take the lump sum payment which was $225 million. Mm-hmm. And then after taxes, that worked out to take home of about $154 million. Hardly I mean, even worth like, it, Catherine. Hardly even yeah. worth it. <laughs> it's an astronomical amount of money. And we were talking here at Action 2 News, Tammy, so Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Lottery released a video where Tammy and Cliff were talking about the moment when they found out, and they said they had been watching the 4:30 a.m. news. Yeah, I wonder so who that we might have been. Maybe, 
Pardon? I wonder who that may have been that they were watching. Hmm. <laughs> well, we there there are a couple of competitors in Northeast Wisconsin who have news at 4:30, but we're one of them. So we were wondering if perhaps they heard it from us, which is pretty cool. And that morning, you know, we were really excited to be able to say that one of the winners was in Wisconsin, but we didn't know it was Tammy and Cliff yet. Mm-hmm. So apparently they are regulars at this gas station where they bought the ticket, the Jackson Point Sitco, which for their trouble got 100000 bucks for selling the ticket. As a uh, fellow journalist, though, aren't you a little bit irritated that uh, the only contact and information we're getting from them and the lottery is through a video posted on YouTube as opposed to an actual press conference and being able to ask some follow-up questions? You know, it it is. We always would rather talk to them in person, certainly. You know, we'd like to be able to maybe do our own interview, that sort of thing. Um, But, of course, you know, there's COVID right now, too. And perhaps this is the way that they want to, you know, keep keep their story to themselves as much as possible, I guess. But yes, of course, we wish we could talk to them one on one. I was telling Hilly Tenpass yesterday uh, from Focus Fox Valley that if I had been the winner and the lottery had asked me to shoot a video like that to talk about, you know, the experience of winning, it would have featured um, Kapalua Golf Course on Maui in the background behind me with whales jumping in the Pacific (laughs) Ocean because that would have been where I had gone immediately after confirming that I did have the correct numbers. I mean, the oh, next yeah, we flight. All, we all have those dreams, right? If we <laughs> yes. Would have been. Oh, man. I think mine would involve a beast, too. Let's uh, move on here to another topic, and this one is just bizarre. But we've heard of this before. We had a case of catnapping in uh, Green Bay, and it actually is going to lead to criminal charges. Yeah, we have now learned that a, a man, his name is Marquis Steffens, he's now been charged with one felony theft count and a misdemeanor charge of mistreating animals because officials say he took a cat named Blue from BLEU, like French, from Safe Haven Pet Sanctuary on Broadway on the near west side of, of Green Bay last week. Uh, officials say that this man just put Blue into a duffel bag and then snuck out a side door. And then later, one of the employees of Safe Haven actually spotted him walking in downtown Green Bay with a bag. And so another employee approached him and asked for the cat back. And Blue was in the bag and Stevens handed the cat back over. But despite that, he's still facing charges. Yeah, it's really odd. Is that a facility that actually offers animals for adoption, or is it more of these are cats that probably would not be a good fit in a home, but they can live in this group setting off the street, if you will, and enjoy something of a a more um, calm and uh, provided for life? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I know we've done some stories with them, and, and they deeply care about animals there. And it just, you know, it really upset them that this happened. So I think they're extremely relieved to have Blue back. And finally, um, when we talk about the Olympics, often we focus uh, mainly on those who win gold, silver, and bronze. But uh, a story of a Pulaski Olympian that proves that it's not so much about the medal, but about uh, actually achieving your personal best uh, in the big spotlight. And uh, for this Olympian, that was the case this week. Yes, this woman named Deidre Irwin, who is a Pulaski native, she took seventh place, which you might go, oh, okay, seventh place. 
But that is Team USA's best ever individual finish in biathlon. So this is really, I mean, it's a record. It's huge. And biathlon, if you don't remember, it's, I, I needed a refresher myself before the Olympics <laughs> started when I first heard about Deidre. Biathlon is that mix of cross-country skiing and target shooting. Yes. So she, the amazing thing to me is that she's been skiing for a long time since high school, but she just took up the rifle part four years ago, and now she just had the USA's best ever individual finish in biathlon. So she's pretty, pretty boss. Well, even starting at 16, I think she mentioned that uh, she was a cross-country runner at Pulaski High School, and a friend or a couple friends were into cross-country skiing as well during the off-season for cross-country, so she started doing that. But starting at 16 puts her way behind a lot of people from these European, especially the Nordic countries, where you grow up on cross-country skis, and it's not just you know a hobby. It's actually a way of transportation in many cases. So she was yeah. starting behind the curve. Uh, already in in terms of international competition and skill level at starting at 16 right that was she was laid uh, on that side of it as well but clearly this is something that she just embraced she talked with our dave schrader action two sports dave schrader and she told him that immediately she fell in love with skiing like you said she was a runner but then she tried skiing came home from training, had dinner, and went to bed right away. And her mother was like, what's going on? Are you okay? And she was like, I'm tired. And she says it was the first sport that ever made her tired because she could run all day. So, like, she is pretty amazing. So this is – and just, you know, seeing her smile. And my favorite part of this story is that after she came in seventh, her treat to herself was a dinner in bed of KFC and goldfish crackers. Yep. Well, yeah, because when you're a high, a top level athlete and you know, you basically get to have the most important event in your sport every four years, you really have to make some self sacrifices in order to keep yourself in top shape. And that is why as soon as a lot of these athletes finish up will likely be their <laughs> one or only or last Olympic experience. It's time to live like the rest of us. Right. Yeah, that is so cool for her. And just the extra stress of having to navigate COVID and and be sure you don't. I mean, as we have heard at the Beijing Olympics, they are just testing all the time. And so thankfully, she was able to avoid testing positive. And I can't imagine. I mean, we've heard about athletes who just had their dreams dashed. You know, even if they're asymptomatic, it doesn't matter. If you test positive, you you can't compete. Given your work shift. Until you go through that quarantine period. Yeah, given your work shift, are you even able to watch much of the Olympic coverage or are you uh, watching the early day live stuff that isn't edited up for TV later in prime time? Well, it's kind of hard because it's sort of it's on in the background in some areas at the station. But I'm but when I'm here, I'm working, and then at night I go to bed at a weird hour. So yeah, no, I I've missed out on a lot of the Olympics. But these hearing these stories about Wisconsin natives that's been the really cool part. Catherine Bracho from uh, First Alert, excuse me, from uh, Action Two News this morning. I almost said you're in the weather department. Sorry about that. Uh, joining us here to <laughs> okay. go inside the headlines. And uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. All right, Jonathan, thanks. You bet. My thanks to Catherine for uh, joining us here today. And that's really the thing that I took out of the experience of uh, the Pulaski Olympian is that 
Okay, um, seventh place, as Catherine mentioned, uh, not that exciting, uh, you know, to most of us who are outside of the sport. Uh, probably we're thinking, oh man, only seventh out of how many, you know? Um, but the best finish by a U.S. woman in biathlon individual competition ever. Remember, Team USA has never won a uh, biathlon medal of any kind. So she is on the, hopefully, on the forefront of uh, cutting into uh, some of uh, that deficit, if you will, uh, that that we've accumulated over the years. Taking a look at the uh, overall medal standings, it has not been a great start for Team USA at uh, the Olympics. We are still skunked in terms of gold medals, or at least we were when I got up this morning. You know, things can change throughout the day, but let me make a uh, quick uh, check on that during the break, and then we'll discuss if we should be concerned. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. About Team USA's performance so far. That's next here on Crossing Company on HBO. Back on Krause and Company, Jonathan Krause with you today here on WHBY. Uh, coming up on today's show, we will be joined uh, in the 9 o'clock hour by Amy Albright uh, from the Oshkosh Convention and Visitors Bureau, and we'll be talking about some things coming up in the Oshkosh area and uh, projections for the upcoming tourism season as well, as hopefully Omicron will be the final major wave of COVID-19 and we can get back to, uh, I guess, Flying quotes again, normal uh, for many of our events that we hold in the area. And then at about 9.30 this morning, we will uh, talk with Sue Pulowski from the YMCA of the Fox Cities as uh, they've made some changes. I mentioned this after they uh, sent out the information uh, late in our show yesterday, but they are going to offer 24-7 service at uh, one of their locations, jumping into a growing trend in the fitness world and then also making some changes to their uh, membership programs as well to uh, handle that. So that's coming up at 9.35. And then 10.05 this morning, uh, we will have a uh, sound off segment, your chance to weigh in. And, of course, plenty of uh, controversy about comments that were made by Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson in regards to the Oshkosh Corporation building its new postal vehicles in South Carolina, a decision made back in June. Uh, The senator was asked by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, last week if he was going to try to influence 
the corporation into moving that work to his hometown of Oshkosh, and he said that he would not be doing that. Uh, but I want you to sign uh, when we call in here in the 10 o'clock hour. I want you to tell me uh, if you are upset by what the senator said, where in Oshkosh you want them built. Simple question. If uh, you want it here, where do you want it built? And again, that's coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. In the meantime, as I mentioned, uh, not the great start that Team USA was hoping for in terms of Olympic medal count. Right now, we're at five total medals, four silver, one bronze, no golds. Put it in perspective, Sweden right now is uh, the leader in terms of gold medals. They have four, six overall. The Russian Olympic Committee. Remember, it's not Team Russia. It's just the Russian Olympic Committee because of doping problems in that country, is currently the leader in overall medals with 10. China got off to a hot start, but they've cooled off here the last couple of days. They are at five and are currently third place tied in terms of gold medals. Is this reason for concern for Team USA? Well, there were a couple of uh, people that were expected to win golds that did not. Uh, one of them, uh, most famously, Michaela Schifrin, who wiped out on her first run in the giant slalom and uh, took not only a gold off the board that was expected for the U.S., but any medal at all. In case you are wondering, though, this is not the longest that the U.S. has gone without a gold medal in an Olympic Games. The record is nine days into the competition back in the uh, 1938 Winter Olympics in Germany. That was uh, finally when, uh, let's see here, Ivan Brown and Alan Bob Washbond won the gold medal for two-man bobsled nine days into the Olympics that year. And then in 1988, the Calgary Winter Olympics, the U.S. went seven days before Brian Boitano finally won a gold medal for them, knocking off Brian Orser in the Battle of the Bryans in the men's figure skating final. 1988 Calgary Winter Olympics were pretty much the low point for uh, Team USA in modern Olympic times. That was just a disastrous Winter Olympics. The uh, skiing team won very little. Dan Jansen, of course, crashed uh, in the figure skating after becoming a national figure following the death of his uh, sister uh, days before the Olympics itself. And uh, that was one of the more disappointing uh, things that happened in that Olympics. The hockey team was just terrible that year, not competitive. And everyone came out of 88 in really kind of a, a down mood in terms of U.S. Olympic spirit. So we will see if uh, there is a bounce back here in the second half of the Winter Games. Didn't get off to a real good start uh, Well, for women's hockey last night. They completed round-robin play, losing to Team Canada, their main rivals, and really the only other team that's in the competition for the gold this year. 4-2 to was the final score in that one. Team USA actually led 1-0 and 2-1 in that one, but then Team Canada dominated the second period, uh, building a 4-2 lead that they held on to for the rest of the contest. So is it time to hit the panic button yet on Team USA? Eh. Not yet, but as far as uh, the medal haul, I don't think we're going to finish in the top 10 because when you look at it, the rest of the world is caught up in a lot of sports. We're probably not going to win a gold in women's figure skating. We're probably not going to win gold in uh, pairs figure skating. We are probably not going to win as many golds as we used to in snowboarding and the freestyle skiing where the sport was invented and a lot of the tricks were developed here. But as I mentioned yesterday, training techniques are allowing many other countries that are not as uh, popular in terms of snow sports to catch up to us. Australia, New Zealand, Japan, 
all with uh, great snowboarders and freestyle skiers. Now, not so much in the alpine uh, skiing, but they are in the uh, trick skiing, as we like to call it. So uh, we'll see how things go here the rest of the time for Team USA. In the meantime, we'll take a break here on Cross & Company. When we come back, Amy Albright from uh, the Oshkosh Convention and Visitors Bureau joins us with a preview of spring, summer, and even fall events in the Oshkosh. And we're back on Kraus and Company. Jonathan Kraus with you today. And Kraus and Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Call Peter Harbach and Sarah Kahn's at 920-250-9959 for your elder law and estate planning needs. Hooper Law Office providing a pathway to your legacy. And Sarah Kahn's will be joining us here on Kraus and Company coming up on Friday of this week to discuss elder law and estate planning issues. But right now on the Settlers Bank phone line is Amy Albright, the head of the Oshkosh Convention and Visitors Bureau. And uh, first off, Amy, thanks for taking some time to join us here on WHBY and Crossing Company. Yeah, happy to be here. Excited about your new show. Congratulations. Good morning. All of that. All right. Lots of pleasantries going on. Amy's one of my favorite people to talk always, to, so this is going to be a fun pleasant. half hour. Always have to be pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have uh, Sturgeon Spearing get a, getting underway on Saturday morning, and uh, we always make a big deal out of it because it's such a unique kind of event, um, you know, mostly to Lake Winnebago and the upriver lakes, uh, Lakes Winnicani and Poygan. But uh, in terms of tourism and uh, financial impact on the Oshkosh area itself, just how big is Sturgeon Spearing? Well, anything that we do in the winter, I think, is is a win for us. So you know that in Oshkosh and the Fox Cities um, throughout, you know, our summers are really booming, and we've got a lot going on. But in the winter, um, I'm really, as part of our Convention and Visitors Bureau, all about people embracing winter. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about, like, oh, I don't want to go outside. It's too cold out. And uh, we're really trying to kind of shift that because there really is a lot to do outside. And Sturgeon Spearing is one of those things that brings people in from all across the country, um, whether it is to visit family and it's kind of a longstanding tradition or something on their bucket list that they want to do. Uh, it ends up being a big boom uh, for the economy, not only obviously in Oshkosh, but, you know, up through Fond du Lac, um, really that whole system like you talked about and whether it's, you know, the bars and restaurants that um, get, you know, get a boost at this time of year or our hotels, um, it's all good. So we really enjoy this. And if listeners have never engaged in any part of sturgeon spearing, you definitely want to check it out, um, whether it's just going to see the weigh-ins at places, you know, around, you know, around the area. It's pretty incredible. One of my favorite things is when people bring their kids down to the registration stations and they see the size yep. of these fish, you know, these three, four, five-year-old kids, they can't believe that there are fish that big in that lake. I know. And sometimes I'm not sure if that's good for summer tourism because people <laughs> might be afraid to go to the lake if they think about those fish being in the lake. But they are way down at the bottom and we don't really have to worry about them in the summer. And they're pretty cool to check out in the winter. So um, I just try to forget about them in the summer. <laughs> well, remember, their summer. mouths are on the bottom of their heads. So how could they possibly attack you? They'd have to attack you from above. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's crazy. So I, I um, a couple of years ago, was out at TJ's Harbor. So that's one of the places. Yeah, um, south of Oshkosh. Of course, went from the lake. There's lots of lots of places that you can you know check these out, and it, it like you said, it's incredible. And I mean, if you want to get some good social media material, you go and get a picture of those sturgeon. <laughs> it's pretty. It's it's pretty incredible. Absolutely. Now, uh, on top of the um, sturgeon spearing opener this weekend, the weekend following, you've got Battle on Bago, which is one of the largest ice fishing tournaments in the country for a weekend yes, in the that world. overlaps. Yeah. So as we <laughs> yes, Battle on Bago, two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars in prizes. What's really cool about Battle on Bago is even if you're not a experienced ang- angler, you have a chance to win one of the major prizes. So what they do is you buy a ticket to to go out and fish, and if you catch a qualifying fish, you get thrown kind of into a lottery. And so if you have the biggest fish of the day, you might win a cooler, and you know the um, maybe the 50th biggest fish will win a truck. And so it's pretty fun that it's kind of mixed up that way. That is a great event um, that will be going on at Miller's Bay. It start, the fun kind of starts on Friday night with a big with a big tent yep. and a band. They have um, road trip that will be there on Friday night. It's all free. Of course, um, you can partake in concessions, which of course are not free. And the battle uh, goes on both Friday and Saturday, February 18th and 19th. And you can check it out on our website. This is their 15th annual. And it really is, they say, the Midwest's largest ice fishing tournament. But we really think that it might be one of the biggest ice fishing tournaments in the world. And it's right here in Oshkosh. So it was created in 2007 by a group of Rotarians. And it has just really taken off to, um, you know, to be a pretty major event in the winter for us. Um, They've generated over a million dollars in proceeds that go back to uh, kids and conservation so it's all charity, and it's it's pretty awesome. You have to appreciate the fact that uh, these events have branched out now from where, okay, let's get together, ice fish, and drink beer, to actual social events. Last weekend, we had the Otter Street Fishery, which is as much a party in a big tent in Menominee Park as it is people actually going out on the ice to fish. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is. Absolutely. And I think that's something to remember that if you are not, you know, again, winter, winter gets long. And if you're a person that doesn't want to go outside during the winter, it can feel really long. So check it out. These, like you said, Otter Street and 
Battle on Bago, both of them, the tents are heated. So even if you're not an you know a, a, an mm-hmm. outdoors person, I mean these are this is pretty incredible. So you go in these big heated tents, and they've got music and concessions, and it's just it's really a lot of fun. And I definitely appreciate. Um, you know, the boom to the economy and something going on that people really can look forward to people, you know, people, it's, it's a, it's very, very cool. Literally. You need the, <laughs> the, the tagline, the tent is heated, but the beer is still ice cold. <laughs> Amy Albright joining <laughs> exactly us from, to use that today. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Amy Albright joining us from the Oshkosh convention and the visitors bureau. Yeah. Talking about some of the, uh, Next couple of weekends here for uh, winter activities, but uh, for those who are not into uh, fishing and or drinking, the city is offering a lot more um, activities, including a downtown skating rink uh, that opened this year. Yeah, so right next to the downtown YMCA, if you're familiar with Oshkosh at all on Washington Avenue, there's a little park called Row Park, and uh, the city parks department has, this is the second year in a row that the ice rink has been there. And what's really awesome about that is it's completely free. We don't have um, skate rental all the time, but if you follow along on social media or on the website, you can find out times where there are free skates. Everything is free. We have a uh, local doctor, Dr. Eric, and he has a local skate club and he has a lot of rental skates. So you can go there. There are a lot of events going on in relationship to that. Again, those are all free. Uh, In many cases, family friendly Uh, concessions are for sale and those are um, benefiting local charities. So as an example, on February 18th, we have something coming up, which is Mardi Gras. Concession proceeds will benefit the day-by-day warming shelter. And so they, you know, they'll hand out Mardi Gras beads. And, you know, it's just a fun, a fun night, Fridays from 5 to 7. So you can check out all those dates and times on our website. But Row Park Ice Rink is open just like a normal park in Oshkosh. So if you have your own skates, bring them, you know, bring them over and, and check it out. And today would be a gorgeous day to do that with, with the sun shining. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is they don't let us play hockey down there. Man. (laughs) Speaking of hockey, we had a a pond hockey tournament this past weekend as part of the Otter Street Fishery, and we're excited to see that grow, you know, over the years, too. That's, um, I think, maybe in its third year and kind of continues to grow. So that's another fun aspect to winter. The unfortunate drawback is I got rid of all my hockey equipment years ago. Um no one is inviting me to play anymore, so it didn't make any sense to still have it. So basically donated it because it was all old. I was still using a wooden stick. Most kids today, they look at a wooden stick and are like, what is this? What is this made out of? <laughs> we can, maybe we can set you up next year. We, we're going to need a, a radio personality out there at Pond Hockey. Okay. I'd better start working on my skating then because I haven't done that in a long time either. That could be I know, a little very entertaining. <laughs> By the way, um, my rink that I have to play on has to be on over the shallowest water possible because I have kind of an issue being on ice <laughs> and over deep water. So <laughs> I want the shallow <laughs> end rink just in case. Yes. And speaking of that, I think it is really incredible. Another thing that people don't realize or maybe don't realize about Lake Winnebago and, you know, these these roads that are put in by these local local fishing um, clubs, clubs, they're all volunteers and they go out there and they, you know, put in these bridges and make sure that um, 
you know, it's as safe as possible. Of course, we know that no ice is ever 100% safe, but really monitor that and do that all for the love of, you know, love of ice fishing. And last weekend, there was also a um, a bike, a bike and a walk across Bago. So there were a bunch of fat tire bikes that went across and they go over to the Quinney f- Fishing Club, you know, sets that up on the other side of the lake. And there's a lot of camaraderie that goes with that, which is, which I think is pretty cool. I love that also. term camaraderie over at the Quinney Quencher. Yeah. That's the bar in Quinney is the Quencher. Amy, I'm going to take a uh, break. Quinny well, Quencher. Yep. Amy, I'm going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, let's talk about uh, the return of some of the major events in Oshkosh, uh, both last year and then coming up in this year as well. And then I'll have you look into the crystal ball and see what you think uh, we might be seeing in terms of uh, tourism numbers for the region as well. All that coming up after the break. You're listening to Krause & Company on WHBY. Nine twenty-three on your Tuesday morning, Kraus and Company. I'm Jonathan Kraus, and WHBY's Big Deals is hosting their next big auction on Thursday, February tenth. Big Deals is putting up on the auction block a seven thousand dollar wedding entertainment package from Matt's DJ Service. Your bid could win this amazing package to help enhance your big day. The entertainment package includes dinner music, dance entertainment, mirror photo booth, uplighting and light show, LED monogram light displaying the couple's names. Plus, their all-new 360 video booth. The Big Deals auction with Matt's DJ service. Online bidding begins Thursday at 6 a.m. with the winning bid awarded at 6 p.m. Head to whby.com and click on the Big Deals button for more information. Let's jump back onto the Settlers Bank phone line now where Amy Albright from the Oshkosh Convention and Visitors Bureau is joining us here this morning on Kraus and Company. And when I go to uh, the website for visitoshkosh.com, one thing I notice is that Oshkosh no longer promotes itself as Wisconsin's event city. When did that get phased out, and why did it no longer really fit for the city? Yeah, so we actually are still the event city. Uh, we're still using that, but we've kind of we are kind of phasing that out. We're looking at rebranding. What we found was that um, we love events here in Oshkosh. We know we know how to do them. We are. I always like to say we're kind of event city and more. And what we found during the pandemic was that, you know, we really want to be able to talk about Oshkosh more, uh, more year round and more, more all inclusively of all the things that we have to do. Events are great and, but they're not for everybody. So we want to be able to, you know, appeal to it, you know, as big of a market as we can. And uh, so we're working through that in 2022, which is exciting but we are thrilled to be welcoming events back to Oshkosh, whether we're event city or not. And uh, the pandemic wasn't very fun uh, for that. And no, it was not. We're thrilled that things are getting back to normal a little bit. Um, I guess kind of an ominous uh, start, though. One of the more popular events in Oshkosh uh, in the early spring is Hops and Props, hosted by the EAA at their uh, Air Museum. Uh, beer tasting exhibition there, some food as well. Great opportunity to see a lot of people from around town and sample beer. That is being canceled for a second year in a row, not so much because of pandemic precautions, but because the breweries that they had been doing business with that would come in and provide the beers, there's a lot fewer of them available. And those breweries that are still in business don't have the people to come and spend a night uh, working the booth. For those, is that something you're concerned about? Maybe not so much from, or including the private entities that put on events in Oshkosh, but then also 
the events that rely on volunteers or service groups not having enough people to staff events that we're used to having in the past? Yeah, for sure. So I think it really is kind of a supply chain issue. Uh, you know, I think we've all gotten very tired of that word, and I don't think prior to 2020 I ever used that word. But it's sort of like, you know, when everything kind of shut shut down in the hospitality world, in the event world, there, you know, staffing was cut, staffing was cut, um, and then that just trickles down. And so, like you said, you know, with some of these breweries, um, they don't have the staff to send there, or they haven't ramped back up completely. Those breweries for hops and props come from all over the country. So there's different protocols and different things that are going on, as you know, all over the country. So I think it's just going to take, there's just going to be some growing pains getting back. Um, I think the good news is that people want these events back. So I think one of the fears we had with conventions and meetings, as an example, was, well, there's Zoom and, you know, there's Microsoft meetings and there's all these things. And maybe that's just going to sort of take the place of meetings and conventions. And what we found was that it's, it's very good that we have virtual options and that sort of got us through. But what we're hearing from people is people want to be back in person. And so that's very good for our you know, people are really going to, you know, want to come back. The problem or the, I guess, the challenge, I guess I would call just some growing pains and getting some of those things back on the calendar, ramping up staff, all of that. So I think things will normalize over time, but definitely, um, you know, we've seen some cancellations here in the first part of 2022, um, especially with Omicron and people just being a little bit cautious about that. So we're just kind of working through that, but hopefully everything kind of gets back on track for, um, you know, spring and summer. We knew uh, going into last year that there would not be a country USA and Iraq USA after the promoters that had put on those shows for uh, years went into bankruptcy and went out of business. A new promoter came in, they promised some shows, and then there was a roadblock literally where they didn't have access from the roads leading into the concert grounds. Have you heard anything in the way of yeah. movement there to where people would actually be able to get from the roads into Ford Festival Park? Oh, excuse me, Ford Live, yeah, they call I think, it now, yeah. <laughs> yes, I think that, um, so what happened was Danny Wimmer um, Productions, Danny Wimmer Presents, it was, had some shows scheduled out there. And again, I think there are a lot of complications with COVID and um, just all sorts of things. So they did put on a show at the Leach Amphitheater. It was scheduled for uh, the Ford Festival Park or Ford Park Live. And they were able to bring Billy Strings into the Leach Amphitheater. So uh, the city did work with them on that, which was exciting. It was a great show. Uh, definitely a smaller show than might, you know, that than compared to like Country USA or Rock USA. And so I think there's just a lot of things going on there. Um, everything is kind of, I think, in the works, and definitely you need to have access to property to be able to have events there. So I think that one will be um, a wait and see, but we're thrilled that Life Fest is back again. Um, Life Fest is one of those events that happens at Sunnyview Expo Center, and I think there's some opportunities at Sunnyview Expo Center, too, with um, some larger concerts. So, Well, yeah, that's why the that county built they're... the stage. They closed the stock car yeah. uh, track and built a stage out there to host major shows. We're still waiting on them. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping we'll see some of those, which would be really great. Life Fest 
you know, I don't think people realize how large LifeFest is and what a big boom that is for our economy. That comes in in early July and, um, you know, tens of thousands of people that are there from all over the country, which is really exciting. And on the same exact weekend, we also host the Wapaka Boat Ride Volleyball Tournament, which, again, is another event that I think people don't – if you don't know about it, you don't know about it. And it's a four-day volleyball event out at Brighton Acres, which is out near um, the Ford Festival grounds. And that event is just... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crazy cool uh, volleyball players, grass volleyball players from all across the country come in for that. And uh, it's it's pretty amazing. So that all happens. That's all scheduled to happen. In fact, both of those events actually happened last year with a lot of precautions. So they're kind of excited to be able to accelerate and, and bring those on. And then, of course, we have to talk about AirVenture, which, uh, as we know, did happen last year. They had great numbers in 2021. And they were at about 600,000 attendees, and that was really without any international. Correct. So we're really hoping that some of these international uh, restrictions come off and we're really able to, um, you know, see AirVenture kind of back to its glory. But it was pretty incredible to see uh, the crowds and the excitement there, even in 2021 without the international travel. I mean, as you know, that attracts people from over 90 countries. It's I mean, it's a huge international presence. So to not have that and to still, you know, really thrive was was pretty incredible. Amy Albright from the Oshkosh Convention and Visitors Bureau. I appreciate the time. I'm going to let you go, but we will have you back on as we get a little bit closer to spring and talk about some of those events as well, okay? I can't wait. All right, Amy. Go see those sturgeon. (laughs) That's right. I'll be watching from shore. Thanks, Amy. We'll talk to you later. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks. (laughs) Bye-bye. Amy Albright, again, from the uh, Oshkosh Convention and Visitors Bureau. We'll take a break. When we come back, Sue Pulowski from the Fox City's YMCA will join us to talk about some changes that they are making to their membership programs and when you can access at least one of their buildings. That's next on Krause & Company. And by the way, the Milwaukee Bucks will immediately follow the uh, Badgers and Spartans tonight here on HBY as they take on the L.A. Lakers in a uh, fine matchup there featuring LeBron James, of course, and Giannis, battle of two perennial MVPs. 
Krause & Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Find their offices in Appleton, Green Bay, or Oshkosh, or online at hooperlawoffice.com. For your elder law and estate planning needs, Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. We're going to jump back on to the Settlers Bank phone lines right now, where we're joined by Sue Pulowski, who is with the YMCA of the Fox Cities. And first off, Sue, thanks for joining us today here on Krause & Company. Oh, thank you for having me. Wanted to have you on because uh, you sent out a, a release on these uh, changes that are planned here for the Heart of the Valley Y uh, to become a 24-7 location. Yesterday I mentioned it on the air and I wanted to get you on to uh, discuss a little more, a little bit more in-depth the decision that goes behind this. So uh, sure. why don't we start with uh, why was the Heart of the Valley YMCA chosen to begin offering 24-hour service for those who want to work out, say, at 2 o'clock in the morning? Well, actually, <clears throat> the facility really lends itself to um, the needs that we had for, um, you know, beyond access to other parts of the building. So um, that's why that site was chosen. And it really works well because we have the wellness center, free weight room, track, and the main lobby bathrooms are all open for use. Mm -hmm. And it's just in one corridor. So it makes it that much easier to have a 24 7 um, facility. At, at that site. So it is not like you can go and take a dip in the pool at 2 a.m.? No. No. <laughs> no, you can't do that. And uh, our it's locker room... safe. It's yeah. not as safe, so we have to look at everything. <laughs> Will the full locker room facilities be available as well, or is this strictly carry in your bag, change on the bench, and head into the workout center? Yeah, carry in your bag. Um, the locker rooms are not open. Okay. It's uh, We can't have... Cameras in the locker rooms, and cameras are definitely a huge safety factor for us. Was this a service that your members were asking for? Well, you know, they were. And for many, many years, I would say, Jonathan, it was uh, more of people asking for us to be open longer hours or open earlier, and many shift workers in our area that um, really couldn't participate in, in the Y at different times. So, it's been a long time coming, and um, with, you know, after we've been through the pandemic and everything and people were looking for different types of hours, we thought this was going to be the best time for us to um, open this and, and make it available so we could serve more people at different times. Let's get into the mechanics of this because uh, obviously there's going to be a system that will allow people who are members uh, into Correct. the building and not just the general public. So when someone, when you uh, move to this system at Heart of the Valley Y, how is that right. going to work for someone trying to come in? So what I, I tested it last night. Ah. It's really cool. It's really cool. So um, you actually have to fill out an application um, to get your FOB, if you will. It's $12 for one year because we have to pay for those things and the technology. And you also have an opportunity um, to download everything on your phone, which is really slick. So you come to, the, come to the building. Each person that's coming in has to come in one by one because we can't allow people to open the door for someone because we wouldn't know who's coming in our building, as you know, you can just imagine that. So you can go to the door. If you have um, an iPhone, you can, if your, your phone has to be on you and near you, you can just tap your hand at the, um, the, the piece, the, the fob area on the door, and that'll open the door for you. There's also a physical fob you can get, 
or you can just um, have it uploaded on your phone, and then you just tap a tap a button, and it opens the door for you. It's very easy. And again, access will be limited to just uh, the uh, weight area, the machines, and the track uh, area itself as well. Mm-hmm. No, no going in the hot tub at two a.m. with a couple no. of beers in you. <laughs> Sue Pulowski, who's who's the Vice President of Membership Marketing and Communications for the YMCA of the Fox Cities. And um, I know your members were asking for it, but it really is the growing trend in terms of fitness centers. There are a number of other facilities here in the Fox Valley that offer 24-7 with the same type of deal uh, where you carry a fob on your key ring. I used to have one for a different uh, gym down in Oshkosh. And um, I guess uh, part of that is... So that, um, especially now that we've come through the pandemic, there are people who just don't feel comfortable working out when there's a lot of other people around them. And this may be an opportunity for off hours on, say, the weekend to get in there and feel more comfortable being alone in a setting where you can work out. Exactly. I think um, it's going to lend itself to people that maybe have not been in the Y for uh, quite a while that maybe have never been a member and maybe this is more attractive because they can um, utilize the facilities more and um, and know that it's a safe environment where, you know, where everything's secure. And um, I think it's, it's just a really good thing that we we have to offer to the community. And our current members are, are really excited about it. You mentioned that you tested out the system uh, ahead of time here at the Heart of the Valley YMCA. When is this going to go, or when is this going to become available for the uh, membership at that location? Well, um, anybody who, we started um, doing the applications early February, and then yesterday actually was at 9 o'clock last night is when you could start coming um, with the extended hours. Okay. So people who had their, their fob ready, it takes one to three business days um, at the most to, to get you set up in the system. And um, we had, we had I think, 12 users um, between the time we closed and then the early morning hours today. So nice. that was exciting. Yep. Um, but it really, it just, it doesn't take long to fill out the application um, it's just really signing waiver, a waiver, if you will, and knowing what is expected of you as a member. And so it's pretty simple. And people started using it already at, I think we had one person after 9 o'clock um, that started out the day. And, you know, we're making history at the YMCA. This is the first time the YMCA of the Fox Cities has had 24-7. <laughs> so this is how much I pay attention when I come into the building because I usually just, you know, beat my membership card, grab some towels, and head into the locker room and then over to the fitness center. Uh, I didn't notice any signage announcing that you were going 24 hours in the times that I visited at the Heart of the Valley YMCA. Because when you said, yeah, we've had people apply already, I'm like, I don't remember seeing anything about that. Ay, ay, ay. Well, you should have read your <laughs> emails. Um, yes. Email. Yes. And then we also sent a, a, a piece in the U.S. mail, which some people still open their mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is hard. It is hard. We we are sending a lot of things out sometimes, and if you, you know, it's a need to know basis, right? If you need to know something, sure. pay attention. Yep. Um, but we have more coming out on it. Um, now, in, it's going to um, ramp up a little bit, but we did let our members know ahead of time. But this is going to be a big 
um, piece for marketing too for us to to get other people in the door. I bet. Uh, one final question here before we go to break, and then we'll talk about some of the changes that you're looking at at membership uh, tiers as well. Is if this is very successful at Heart of the Valley YMCA, is it possible it could be extended to other YMCAs of the Fox Cities, or is as you mentioned the layout of this building make it pretty much the only one you may be able to do that at? No, there is an opportunity. Um, definitely, this is a, a pilot to see how it would work, and if that's something that um, is would be good for us to do in the future, we would definitely make it work at another facility. Um, and we would we'd have that opportunity. Very good. Uh, Sue, let's take a break. Uh, when we okay. come back, we'll talk about some of the changes that the uh, Fox Cities Y is making in terms of uh, memberships, and then yeah. I'll get an update on some of the other facilities that uh, you have in the area as well. You are listening Thank to Krause. You. you bet. You're listening to Krause and Company on WHBY. <laughs> Back on Kraus and Company, I'm Jonathan Kraus, a solo today here, uh, running into uh, some scheduling issues with a potential co-host, as uh, some of the guys we uh, have had in the past uh, have other things going on this week, and those who have expressed an interest in joining me on the show as well are uh, struggling to make it work with their work schedules. So we hope to get uh, back on that track here in the next couple of days. In the meantime, we'll jump back on to the Settlers Bank phone line, where Sue Pulowski from the YMCA of the Fox Cities is joining us. And we mentioned that the Heart of the Valley YMCA is now a 24-7 member access facility. Uh, with some uh, steps to go through to get uh, that. But you've also changed the structure of your memberships there at the Y. So if you could, why don't you break down some of the new groupings that we see uh, for the way that you can become a Y member. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sure. So um, the traditional youth, adult, family membership you know, still hold true. Um, with, with our structure, but we have what's considered um, add-ons um, for, you know, building the membership that's right for you with these new flexible membership options. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, if we have a young adult member, and that's age 19 through 29, uh, they pay a $28 a month fee. If they're interested in adding on uh, children to that membership, it would be another $12 a month, and that's children living in the same household. And then there also <clears throat> um, there's an option to add another young adult for $12. So that becomes what you could consider a young adult family membership. In the past, we not, did not have that component because it was a f- just straight family membership mm-hmm. for $74 a month. And um, there was no age differentiation, and we did a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of different uh, studies in our community to see um, how we're serving or not serving that young adult population because um, it's definitely a 
a population that we saw we, we weren't serving at one point in time in the last several years. And just trying to look and add on to that. And then when we look at a family, or excuse me, an adult membership, you have a $50 um, base pay. And then again, that's um, ages 30 through 64. And that you can add another adult, another adult, and children, and um, so on. So it's, there's add-ons available. We also have tennis facilities in our newest branch, the Ogden YMCA and Valley Tennis Center in Nina, and that's also an add-on. So it's kind of a really nice way for people to be able to kind of get what they want. The other area that we really um, were struggling a little with was if a um, family wanted to join the Y and, you know, mom or dad are traveling a lot, um, not near a YMCA maybe, and only one of the parents would be using the facility with the kids, we have that option available now, too. So those are just some examples yep. of what we have. So a little bit more flexibility in terms of tailoring memberships to uh, the, I guess, the new family dynamics, you, if you, mm-hmm. you could say, uh, that are, exactly. are growing in our society right now. Uh, one right. thing that uh, I don't think I've ever talked to you about is the uh, Child Learning Center on Mead Street in Appleton, mm-hmm. which the YMCA yep. took over from Thrive and Financial. What is offered there through the Y for families? We have uh, full-time uh, child care available from, um, for infants through um, preschool age, school age, 4K, uh, that type of thing, and it's a full facility. Um, it's a, a beautiful facility, and um, again, full-time child care uh, that's offered there, and we are... You know, we're teetering on some waiting lists in some of our child care facilities because um, of, you know, when the pandemic happened, some other area child care has had to shut down. Yes. And um, so it's it's really a great, um, great facility and full full facility for at everything that they need. Before I let you go here, Sue, why don't you give us an update on the downtown Appleton YMCA? You were doing some work inside there, creating some new workout spaces. And then, of course, the parking lot was taken down as well. So if you could, (laughs) what's an update on what's going on inside and outside at that location? Well, we have at the Appleton Y, we have this really cool U.S. Venture um, training center. And it's for um, small group and personal training. And I personally worked out with my personal trainer there um, on a weekly basis. And it's just a really cool facility. It has so much more, um, um, you know, or equipment, if you will, and um, so many more opportunities to have that small group. Um, So that has, that's something fairly new. And then of course the ramp, Um, we're building a new ramp. There is a ramp in the ramp already. So you can see that it's going to be a ramp. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, That'll be done in well. It's less than a year now, but um, that's exciting too. But when you when you drive, it, it definitely has a different look and feel <laughs> when yep. you're driving around um, right now. But the ramp, the new ramp, will be wonderful, and we won't have to have as much um, upkeep on it every year. <laughs> so um, we're looking forward to that. Sue, I appreciate the time. And if people want to find out more about the YMCA of the Fox Cities, where should they go? YMCAFoxCities.org. All right. And there's always the app, too. Yes, absolutely. YMCA Fox Cities. Just look up the app. Everything's there. 
Excellent. Well, I wish you uh, good luck there on this uh, 24-7 idea, and hopefully you can expand it out to a couple of other sites in the area as well to uh, serve the changing needs in the uh, fitness realm here of uh, mm-hmm. today's community. So uh, you have Absolutely. a great, uh, you have a great week there, Sue. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Sue Pulowski from the YMCA of the Fox cities. And uh, again, I will be, I guess, opening my emails and snail mail from the Y more often and uh, paying attention to what's actually going on at the place where I am a member. Oh man. Let's take a break. Uh, wrap up this hour of uh, Krauss and company. You're listening to Cross Company. As a person who works inside radio, not a fan of that commercial because dead air, as we like to call it, or silence on the radio really catches your attention and causes flat-out panic. Okay, what has happened and how do I get something back on the air? So to have continual gaps in uh, the discussion there of that uh, progressive ad who man it's panic city here in the studio jonathan kraus with you on kraus and company got a minute here but uh reminder that we will have a sound off segment coming up at uh right after the top of the hour break here and i want you to weigh in on uh, the comments uh, by senator ron johnson that uh, he will not be uh, pushing for the oshkosh corporation to locate its production of the mail vehicles that it'll be producing for the U.S. Postal Service in Oshkosh itself. However, be ready if you do call in to let me know where Oshkosh is supposed to build those vehicles in Oshkosh. Welcome back to Krauss and Company. I'm Jonathan Krauss, and uh, we have a uh, open hour here, and we're going to start off with a reminder that Krauss and Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Offices. Call Peter Harbach and Sarah Kahn's at 920-250-9959 for your elder law and estate planning needs. Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Be sure to sign up for free weekly seminars via video conference Details and a registration at estateplanninglive.com. And again, we will have Sarah Kahn's join us coming up on a Friday uh, on the uh, show to talk about uh, some of those uh, things that uh, they talk about at their estate planning seminars. But uh, as I was going to mention, uh, we are going to do a, a sound off segment here. And uh, let me set the uh, pace for what is going to be expected because uh, plenty of controversy over the last couple of days. Uh, It stems from a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel article in which uh, Senator Ron Johnson was asked at a uh, parents, empowered parents rally, uh, basically recruiting people to run for school boards and uh, providing them with uh, some funding for their campaigns as well. If he would be using his influence uh, to try to convince the Oshkosh Corporation to produce its new mail trucks, which is about a, I've seen numbers now between six and ten billion dollar contract to build 165,000 new delivery vehicles for the U.S. Postal Service. And in a nutshell, the senator said that he would not because it's his opinion that there are already enough jobs in Wisconsin that are not filled and uh, that uh, there is uh, no guarantee that Oshkosh Corporation would be able to. Uh, field enough people to build those and then also it might actually be cheaper to make them in South Carolina where 
the uh, Oshkosh Company uh, Corporation plans to build the mail vehicles. And everyone who is on the Democratic side of the ledger in the race for the Senate jumped on that and immediately said that Ron Johnson doesn't care about Wisconsin workers. And uh, that was why uh, that got me thinking back to when the original announcement was made by the Oshkosh Corporation that this was going to be done in South Carolina. So uh, if you would like to call in, sound off on uh, the uh, senator's comments, you're more than welcome to do so right now. 281-1150, excuse me, 920-281-1150 is the number to call. You can also uh, reach out via email. The show email is Kraus and Company. I know there's an ampersand in the show's name, but this is Kraus and A-N-D Company at gmail.com. And I'll be checking that throughout this segment as well. But it got me thinking again to back in June of last year, June of last year, when the Oshkosh Corporation announced that it would be making these mail vehicles, postal vehicles, in South Carolina. And uh, in their initial statement, they talked about how um, they had a facility that will be re-engineered to produce the uh, vehicles down there and that there were uh, supply chain companies that will be uh, close to that site as well to provide all of the materials that will be needed for the construction of said trucks. And I thought for, oh, I was almost positive that there, that I'd read somewhere, whether it be in the initial statement from the company or somewhere else in media coverage, that uh, there was an explanation as to why the trucks were not going to be built in Oshkosh. And I finally came upon it, and it is an article from Gannett Newspapers uh, that was published on, let's see here, June 22nd of 2021. And it features a quote from uh, John Bryant, who is the president of Oshkosh Defense. And Oshkosh Defense is actually the division within the Oshkosh Corporation that will be building the 165,000 vehicles. Here's the quote. And this is actually from an emailed statement that was sent out to Gannett as they asked some questions as to why it wasn't going to be built in uh, either Oshkosh or Wisconsin. From John Bryant, quote, We worked with the Milwaukee 7, New North, and the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation to explore opportunities to manufacture these vehicles in Wisconsin. Unfortunately, we could not identify an existing building that was viable for this project. As I mentioned, there will be a repurposed building in South Carolina that Oshkosh Corp. already owns that will produce these vehicles. So... My question to you is if you really and truly believe that these mail vehicles should be made in Oshkosh, let me know where they are going to be built. They should be built because Oshkosh Corporation is part of their bid and in pricing per vehicle, which I'm sure is already under stress because of production increases in terms of cost and labor shortages and material shortages, won that bid because they can do it for the least amount of money. And projected in their total expenses was not the purchase of additional land, the construction of a new building, and then bringing in the equipment to actually manufacture the vehicles themselves. So if that is something that you think the company should add to the contract, now what you're doing is you are cutting into the bottom line and raising the production cost of each of those 100 65,000 vehicles. 
was in an exchange with uh, the folks in Senator Johnson's office uh, yesterday, late in the afternoon and all the way into tonight, and it continues this morning, where the senator wanted to come on this show at 8.45 this morning to uh, talk about the liberal media skewing his comments unfairly against him. And I am more than welcome to have the senator on, but that's not going to be the subject of the conversation because that's really not at all important to the situation that Oshkosh Corporation is dealing with. So the question that I will have for the senator when he joins me, and we're working on uh, apparently trying to get him in tomorrow now. In fact, the uh, latest email that I got about a half hour ago talks about how uh, it's being discussed inside the team, the team, uh, getting the senator on to join me tomorrow morning. Gave them a couple of times that uh, would be available here on Kraus and Company. But the question is going to be, where in Oshkosh is he supposed to influence Oshkosh Corporation to locate this production facility? And that's the same question I have for you. 281-1150 or Company at gmail.com. So this is going to make for some interesting conversations in the future as well. Um, in the statement from John Bryant, he mentioned that they worked with the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation on finding location here in the state to build these trucks. And I am scheduled to have Missy Hughes on in a couple of weeks. She is the CEO of the WEDC. And I guess originally I was going to talk about a program that is helping uh, people who are coming out of prison to develop job skills and fill some of these many positions that are uh, available in Wisconsin and then a couple of other grants that the WEDC has been provided. But now I guess the conversation needs to start with what was uh, what was shown to the Oshkosh Corporation and what was available for the Oshkosh Corporation to convert into a truck production facility. I guess I could give the folks at New North a call now as well, see what they were offering to Oshkosh Corporation and uh, if there was anything actually that would have met their needs. And then the same with Milwaukee 7, which I believe is a seven-county consortium that is uh, around the urban Milwaukee area that works together for economic development. So I can put calls out to all these folks if you want, and we can have a big, long discussion as to uh, what the facilities they were offering to the Oshkosh Corporation because um, it, to me, it sounds like Oshkosh Corp. did due diligence to try and locate this production in Wisconsin. And it just didn't work. And they have a facility that is ready to go in South Carolina. Now, the beef, the real underlying beef here is that the production facility in South Carolina is going to be more than likely a non-union work position. So you will have non-union workers producing these jobs as opposed to members of UAW, uh, which make up most of the workforce in Oshkosh. That is probably more of the underlying thing than we're not bringing home the bacon to produce these in Oshkosh themselves. So, and uh, same thing, I think, uh, if we get any of the U.S. Senate candidates from the Democratic side on, that has to be the first question. All right, what building are we putting this in? Where will Oshkosh be storing all of these vehicles while the government waits to take delivery of them, the U.S. Postal Service? So if you have any ideas, 281-1150, that's the number to call. I think the silence on the phone speaks uh, quite a bit. Because we have people who are from outside of the Oshkosh area Monday morning quarterbacking a decision that was made back in June. 
And I guess it would have made sense to ask uh, the senator at that time and Senator Tammy Baldwin as well if uh, they were going to use their influence to try and convince the Oshkosh Corporation to instead uh, build that in Oshkosh. But that wasn't uh, asked at that time because Ron Johnson hadn't decided if he was running for re-election yet. Now that he's officially joined the race, we're going back to look at this issue and uh, try to re-legislate it, if you will. So uh, one final call here for calls at uh, 281-1150. We will take a break when we come back. Hopefully some of your comments. Otherwise, uh, we'll talk a little bit more here about some other topics to round out the hour as well. You are listening to Krausen Company on WHB1. Christine Ann Domestic Abuse Services is hosting the 21st Annual Men Who Cook event Saturday at the Oshkosh Convention Center. Enjoy an amazing evening of unforgettable food created by men in our community. There will also be auction items, uh, live and silent style. Bill Jarts is the special live auctioneer for the night. And you'll also hear from a survivor speaker as well. The, uh, my, I will be uh, one of the celebrity chefs uh, cooking up some uh, delicious brisket for you on Saturday. So get your tickets now and all the details at whby.com. It's at the Oshkosh Convention Center on Saturday night. Christine Ann, Domestic Abuse Services, Annual Men Who Cook for Christine Ann. Looking forward to that. Did a little uh, test smoking over the weekend here. and We'll see uh, how things work out. Chef, uh, by the way, shout out to Chef Jeff, uh, regular guest here on programs on WHBY, providing me a little guidance in terms of producing mass quantities. It's easy to do a barbecue for yourself or a few friends for, say, a Super Bowl party or a uh, Masters Sunday party. But uh, to do it for as many as 400 people at one time, a little bit more than a lot of us uh, tend to bite off, if you will, and are able to chew. So Chef Jeff uh, giving me some pointers there on mass quantities production and the idea of you know, preparing for food service as opposed for as opposed to, you know, your buddy Joe gets to go up and just hack off a little bit more of the brisket throughout the afternoon while watching golf. So I uh, threw out the uh, challenge there during uh, the first segment of this hour in the sound off segment for anyone to let me know where the Oshkosh Corporation is supposed to build the mail trucks that they are supposed to uh, that Senator Ron Johnson is supposed to be using his influence to bring to Oshkosh and I have received zero input on that. And it's unfortunate because you really don't need to be an expert on the Oshkosh real estate market because everyone who's out there calling for the production of these vehicles to be made in Oshkosh obviously doesn't know anything about the real estate market in Oshkosh as well and the supply chain issues. All right, so let's move on from that. And uh, move instead into a sudden turnaround in mask mandating here in the U.S. We are seeing Democratic governors in a number of states all this week. Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, and Oregon, along with California, announcing the end of their statewide mandates to take effect in the next couple of weeks. A sign, according to the New York Times, that more Americans and not just Republicans are ready to move into a new phase of the pandemic. The end of the statewide mandate is, quote, a huge step toward normalcy, according to New Jersey's governor, Philip Murphy, 
He said, quote, we can responsibly live with this thing, end quote. I'm assuming he's referring to COVID. Still, parts of the partisan divide will continue in some left-leaning communities. School mandates will probably remain even after Democratic governors lift their statewide rules. In a newsletter uh, last week, a, a recent poll showed that uh, there is pretty much just partisan COVID attitudes now left in the country. The debate over school masking uh, will likely be one of those that comes forward. In fact, uh, saw from several California communities that announced uh, once that state lifts their mandate, they will be keeping their masking mandate for all kids, not just those too young to get vaccinated, which now is under the age of five. They're just going to stick with it. The benefits of universal masking in schools remains unclear, according to the New York Times. Studies in Florida and in England, for example, tend to find little effect on caseloads. And one study that did find an effect has now largely been debunked. Some experts still favor masks in schools, saying they likely have an effect, even if few studies have shown it yet. A lot of other evidence suggests masking matters. Until the Omicron wave ends and both hospitalizations and deaths fall much further, experts say that the mask should stay on. Michael Osterholm, a University of Minnesota epidemiologist, quoted, It doesn't work. Medical uh, masks are designed for adults, not children. Even masks designed for children slip off their faces. Kids take off their masks to eat, add in Omicron's intense contagiousness, and the benefits of mandates may actually be tiny, according to that researcher. You also uh, have a number of... uh, Districts in this area that do still have mask mandates in effect. And if you recall, when we go back to the early days of the pandemic and a number of districts went out and they set metrics, metrics to bring kids back to in-person learning, metrics to bring kids back into the classroom in regular numbers, metrics to demask children and staff in schools. And what happened was, They set their numbers, and then they realized, holy cow, we're never going to get to these numbers. I think that uh, it was established a lot on in-community COVID-19 activity, as rated by the Department of Health Services. And many communities just never got out of the high or at least moderate category for COVID activity. And when the bar had been set at getting back to low COVID activity, School districts were left with no options. And so there weren't even votes on many school boards. The major school boards that we cover on a regular basis here on WHBY, where board members said, you know what, we are repealing all of this, and these are the new standards we're going to use. It just became, let's hope that everyone forgets the standards that we set for making a return, and now we are just making a decision on our own. Okay, kids can come back. And that's probably the way that the current mandatory masking districts are going to go as well. There is not going to be a scientific metric that's being used. We've got dashboards on all of these school district websites that let you know how many in-district cases there are involving kids, staff members, how many people are in quarantine. We provided that information for a while, but then you realize that how is this information going to be used? And it was something that I know um, Josh and I would have spirited discussions about off air as to what we need to be reporting. And one of the standards that I tried to set uh, in terms of the news department is let's give people the numbers that are being used 
to make decisions when it comes to lockdowns, virtual learning, mask mandates, the reopening of this company or this service or this activity. And we did that for a while. And then all of a sudden, all of the standards that have been set were just tossed out and decisions were made kind of ad hoc, if you will, or mask mandates were thrown out by courts and then it became irrelevant altogether. And so then what became the number we should give you to give you some idea of how good, bad, or indifferent things are in terms of the pandemic in our area. And we got to the point where it has almost come to where we don't have important numbers as they pertain to the pandemic anymore. So basically we're left with the daily rolling average in terms of numbers, and then we're providing deaths as well. The individual county cases, uh, cases that are occurring within school districts, uh, it doesn't matter anymore. And now it'll just be done, as I like to say, it's going to be done by feel. When a school board feels that it is time to take the masks off of kids, they're going to do it. And the discussion will, they'll be given data, but instead it's going to be all based on emotion. And I, it'll be, I think our kids have suffered enough or our kids are ready to move on or our kids need to have normalcy in their lives, regardless of the numbers that we feared previously have come back. Um, I know that there was talk uh, in the Oshkosh school district that uh, we're going to give X date. And that is when everyone under a certain age or to grade level is going to be able to get the vaccination. And then that went out the window because we had the vaccination available for kids, but then Omicron came in and spiked all the numbers again. And uh, that decision, by the way, in the Oshkosh school district has been left exclusively to the superintendent. School board does not vote on the uh, policies for masking, virtual learning, or the like. Uh, Appleton, those uh, measures have been coming before the school board, and they've been voting on um, extension of masking mandates in classrooms. So, again, states, even the most stringent in terms of their requirement for masking, are starting to move away from that, and uh, we will see if, by the end of this school year, all districts in our area will decide to start going mask-free. Crossing Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Find their offices in Appleton, Green Bay, or Oshkosh or online at hooperlawoffice.com. For your elder law and estate planning needs, Hooper Law Office providing a pathway to your legacy. Sir Cons will be on Krauss & Company coming up on Friday. Your opportunity to uh, listen in for uh, some free advice on estate planning and senior living as well. So I mentioned uh, before we went to the break that the Oscar nominations came out this morning. It was another virtual event. Uh, it looked like from what uh, ABC was showing on the uh, TV that they were going to several different uh, actors' schools and community theaters, and they had a firefighter up there, and everybody was reading the nominations. Here are the list of nominees for the 2022 Oscars. Best Picture, Belfast. Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, 
Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Best Director, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Jane Campion for Power of the Dog, Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Best Actress nominees are Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Best Actor, Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith in King Richard, and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Best Supporting Actress, Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DuBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Ingenue Ellis for King Richard. And a Best Supporting Actor, Siren Hines for Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee for Power of the Dog. I have seen exactly zero of those films. In fact, the only uh, movie that I've seen in a theater in the past two years was my wife and I went to the Betty White documentary just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure that I shared on the air that in-theater experience. But we are not streamers either. We do not have a Netflix subscription. We do not have a Hulu subscription. We do not have a Disney Plus subscription. We had an Apple Plus subscription for a little bit, and that came with the purchase of our new iPhones. After that ran out, we canceled our Apple Plus subscription. I'm going to be honest about the only one of these that I would like to go see and would be interested in watching perhaps via uh, maybe on demand would be King Richard, which when you hear it, you think, oh, it's a period piece. It's about one of the British kings. Actually, it is about Venus and Serena Williams dad, Richard Williams, and how he got to two girls who grew up in inner city Los Angeles to become the two of the greatest and arguably one, the greatest female tennis player of all time, and the other to be almost as good as her little sister. And I know for a long time, Richard Williams was kind of vilified. Uh, there was a period there in the 80s and 90s where you had fathers who were literally going to, uh, sparing no expense and going to all lengths in the belief that they could turn their son, or in Richard's case, daughters into high-powered, top-line, big-money professional athletes. And he was seen as being one of these dads who was pushing the kids too far. They were going to get burnt out. Um, he was, let's just say, not that well-liked in terms of the tennis establishment. And as it turned out, well, his daughter's came to uh, basically put the plan that he had uh, put in place for them into action almost perfectly. So uh, Will Smith, I do appreciate Will Smith's acting abilities, and uh, by all accounts, he does a fantastic job of capturing Richard Williams and his spirit. 
But uh, Power of the Dog, no idea. Dune, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that a remake of a previous kind of sci-fi movie? Maybe I'm off on that. Belfast, I know that's about uh, the problems in uh, Northern Ireland. Coda, never heard of it. Don't look up. Interesting that that one gets in there. And again, they've expanded the field. You may notice that we've got uh, 11 nominees in this uh, category. Don't look up has generated a lot of uh, controversy among talking heads because it's an allegory for global climate change. But instead of having scientists that are warning the world through the media about global climate change and the way it will affect us in the future, this is the killer asteroid that is coming towards Earth. These two scientists have discovered it, and they get caught up in the media circus that is our modern communications way of communicating and political arena as well. And basically, they are either uh, embraced as uh, superheroes or they are shunned as pariahs, depending on the political slant of everyone. And it really takes more of a shot at the media for turning it into uh, the circus that uh, it is. I've I've talked with some people who have gone to see it. Uh, They appreciated the humor to it. They thought it was a bit preachy in some spots, but... uh, That would be the one that uh, might consider watching as well. Licorice Pizza? Nope. Nightmare Alley stars uh, Guillermo del Toro, one of my, and Bradley Cooper. But uh, there again, nope. Power of the Dog? No idea. And definitely would not be going to see West Side Story. Interesting there because uh, there was this push, remember, a couple of years ago in the Oscars to get movies that people were actually going to nominated for some of these awards. And the movies that people were going to were superhero movies. There was some discussion as to whether or not uh, Spider-Man, the latest installment of Spider-Man, might uh, get an Oscar nomination. Nope, it didn't. Instead, we're sticking with the uh, very serious uh, films, social commentary, biopics. That is always a a very popular subject of um, Oscar-winning movies. And then uh, period period pictures as well. But West Side Story, a musical, and a remake, I think the third time around in terms of putting it on film, was a gigantic box office bomb. And yet uh, everyone in Hollywood thinks it was an awesome movie and deserves several nominations, including for Best Directing for Steven Spielberg as well. So Best Picture and Best Director for West Side Story, which everyone agrees, was terrible. Spread some love this Valentine's Day with WHBY's Big Deals. Starting this Friday through Valentine's Day, save an additional 15% store-wide with promo code LOVE15 at checkout. Head to WHBY.com, click the Big Deals link, and start shopping now. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Haley Tenpass about what's coming up next on Focus Fox Valley. And then I'll bring you my two cents as well, building back more expensively. That's next on Crossing Company. Welcome back to Kraus and the Company. Jonathan Kraus, joined now by Haley Tenpass, host of Focus Fox Valley, which comes up next here on WHBY. And uh, before we get into who's joining you, I just ran through the nominees for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, blah, 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 ah. at the Oscars. And I need to know if you saw any of these pictures. Belfast? <laughs> I No. Coda? Nope. Don't look up. No, but on my list and my Netflix queue. Okay. 
Drive My Car. No. Dune. No. King Richard. No. Licorice Pizza. Nope. Nightmare Alley. No. The Power of the Dog. No. I have a feeling I know the answer to this one. <laughs> West Side Story. Actually, no. Actually, also on my on my queue. Listen, I, I I have so many intentions to get to watching movies, but I'm sure as many parents or grandparents can understand or relate to, or just people in general who've who've got a lot of life going on. I have not been able to see as many films as I maybe once have back in the day. So I have come to the unfortunate res- uh, realization that I have aged out of popular culture. Oh. When they announce uh, Grammy nominees, uh, when I asked Heather Storm from our sister station, uh, Kiss FM, for some of the top songs from 2021 to feature as bumper music for our year in review, she gave me a list of artists that I'd never heard of <laughs> and songs that I'd never once heard except for The weekend. Sure. And uh, all of these movies... I have absolutely zero interest in seeing, for the most part. Maybe King Richard. I, nothing is for me anymore. You, you know, that's an interesting point. And I think maybe you can't connect to all of the movies on that list. I think it would take a pretty uh, movie-loving uh, person to be interested in and have the time to sit down. I think Dune, for example, is at least a three-hour film. Yes. You know, I'd fall asleep in the first hour of that if it was you know, on my television after seven o'clock. So, so the time, the time constraints is, is first and foremost a thing for me, but I think everyone can find at least one movie to connect with on that list. And I'll tell you which one actually, uh, that I'd really like to see. And it's Coda because I believe Coda takes on, um, a story of a family who are deaf and it highlights their daughter who is a fully hearing individual and her singing career uh, and imagine having the singing career and this passion for singing but your your family can never hear you sing and I, I, I understand that's the source and center of that movie so that looks really good to me um, and I also have West Side Story on my list of movies I really want to see as a musical theater lover and uh, Don't Look Up is in my Netflix queue because I've heard such rave reviews for that performance and also the eerie uh, parallelism that it has to our current world. So but many on my list, but I just haven't had the time to I, see them yet. I know why Coda makes sense for you now. Ruby, this is IMDb. Mm-hmm. Ruby is the only hearing member of a deaf family yes. from Gloucester, Massachusetts. At 17, she works mornings before school to help her parents and brother keep their fishing business afloat. But in joining her high school's choir club, Ruby finds herself drawn to both her duet partner, uh-oh, and her latent passion for singing. Yeah, it, it looks phenomenal. And, and the cast also features those from the, the, the deaf community. I think Marley Matlin yep. is, is uh, she plays the mother in that film. And uh, they had a great piece on it um, telling the story of, of how this, this film was brought together. So um, to be able to highlight uh, the, the, the hearing disabled world as well and to be able to bring those actors to the, state, to the screen, that uh, looks like a wonderful film. So... Amongst other wonderful films that clearly are wonderful because they've got Oscar nominations. No, my point is you don't have to be a wonderful film to get an Oscar <laughs> nomination. In our house, it would be Encanto. Encanto would win Best Picture for 2022. Mm-hmm. Another one I haven't seen. I've seen commercials for it. They it's, run them on ESPN. It's very catchy. 
All right, so enough of movie breakdown. What is coming up on Focus Fox Valley today? Yeah, well, we've got an hour of law talk starting off the 11 o'clock hour and a really interesting topic. I hope that our listeners maybe call in if you've got questions. We're focused on pets as it pertains to the world of law. So pet licensing, dog licensing, but also dog bites. What happens if you, you get bit by a pet? If if your dog bites someone else? If your dog bites another dog or vice versa? We're going to talk about all those matters. And also the custody battles that some families have over their pets and where pets are able to fall in line if it comes to a divorce or prenuptial agreement. And coming up in hour number two, Consumer Protections, uh, Michelle Reinen is here, and we're going to go over the top consumer complaints. No wonder they didn't return my call. Okay. (laughs) And they've got you uh, on speed dial, Jonathan. So yeah, we'll go go through all of those. And I'm sure uh, very interesting information from Michelle as always. All right. Maybe we should start coordinating. We sit next to each other out there. Maybe we should start coordinating who we're asking for guests. Do you have Michelle on your show? Uh, no, I put in a request, as I said. Oh, and funny. they didn't get back to me because obviously she's joining you. Yeah, every other today. month. Every other month I've ah, got Michelle on, right. the, on the line. So we'll, you have her on the regular. Let's have a meeting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. Oh, by the way, back to uh, the pets. Sure. Um, yeah. I think it would surprise a lot of people. To know that in the eyes of the law, their beloved dog or cat or snake or fish is considered property, not a living thing, if mm. you will. Yeah. And the laws are not designed for shared custody. You wouldn't have shared custody of a lawnmower. Why do you expect that there should be legal shared custody of a dog? Well, I think the emotional attachment to a, a dog versus a lawnmower. But would that be, is not the way the law yeah, is you, written. You'd think. So we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that a bit uh, with attorney Caitlin Stanford t- later today uh, in about 20 minutes, perhaps, uh, to, to learn more about what they deal with and if there are any exceptions as uh, well. So, All right. That starts uh, just after 11 o'clock with Focus Fox Valley here on WHBY. Thank you, Haley. Thank you. And now it's time for My Two Cents, a daily opinion feature here on Kraus and Company. I can already tell you what the theme of 2022 is going to be in our local news. Project X is coming in over budget. As every level of government is flush with cash from Washington and many consumers that didn't need pandemic relief still got pandemic relief, we aren't going to find that money that we thought going to improve our communities will not go as far as nearly we thought it would. In just the last couple of weeks, We have had stories about a Four Seasons Park Pavilion project in Oshkosh coming in nearly 50% higher in cost than what was estimated by city officials. Demolition of the Whiting Paper Mill in Menasha is well above expected budget. And now the new middle school in Oshkosh is projected to come in $4.6 million above what was earmarked in the referendum that approved its construction. America isn't building back better. We're building back more expensively. Even someone still taking Economics 101 in high school could have told you this was going to happen. When demand rises, but the supply of something remains the same, the price of that good or service can only go up. And that is under standard market conditions. What we have going on right now is extraordinary circumstances that make large-scale construction even more expensive. Supply chain issues are backing up key components like steel, and the construction companies aren't having any better success in hiring skilled workers than any other industry in this country. 
So what we have is the perfect storm of government funding fed demand with less raw materials and labor to get the jobs done. And the result is fewer projects will actually get done. And those that do will use a lot more money. The logic of an infrastructure stimulus for the economy is based on Great Depression-era logic. When Franklin Roosevelt created the alphabet soup of federal agencies to undertake infrastructure projects like building roads and national parks facilities and hydroelectric dams, he had millions of men, and yes, I use that term intentionally, sitting around doing nothing. According to the unemployment numbers of today, there isn't that vast reserve of untapped labor to jump into new projects this time around. Not to mention, most of the raw materials needed for that construction used to be produced right here in the USA. And infrastructure work of that era was very different from the way we build things today. Back then, roads were constructed by large work crews using hand tools and rudimentary vehicles. Nails were driven by hand for the construction of buildings, and lumber was cut on site. And the skills required to build back then could easily be taught to almost everyone. Take a look at road construction crews now. Huge graders use GPS technology to form the roadbed in the perfect spot at the perfect grade. Giant machines lay an entire lane's worth of concrete in just a few minutes. And all of those machines are manned by just a handful of people. I guess we could put the ladies hoping to become Instagram models instead of holding real jobs on those crews to take pictures of themselves in front of the freshly poured highway and hashtag it, Infrastructure rocks. The regulatory atmosphere today is also very different. Major highway projects are held up for years while agencies review the impact on threatened subspecies of butterflies and frogs. Renovation of old buildings for low-income housing becomes even more expensive when asbestos or lead paint is found on site and special removal techniques are needed. Brownfields with contaminated soil must first be purchased by government entities before they can be remediated because the cost of potential litigation in the future is astronomical. And oftentimes, after all the regulatory hurdles are cleared, some citizens group or angry neighbor files a lawsuit that ties things up even longer. In 2020, voters in Oshkosh were told that we would get a new Northside Middle School, a new Northside Elementary School, and security upgrades at all of our campuses for $107 million. Tomorrow night, the school board will vote to scrap the security upgrades that were so vital two years ago just to cover the rising cost of the new middle school. And something tells me that the $35 million earmarked for the new elementary school is going to be woefully short of what it will actually cost in a couple of years. So that leaves us with two options. One, get your teenagers off the computer and the video game console and teach them how to pour concrete, work a nail gun, and wire an outlet. Or two, work on an explanation for why we got so little for the money that they will have to pay back. I'm Jonathan Krause. That is my two cents. You can check it out anytime you like on our website, whby.com. Coming up on tomorrow's show... We will hear from Miles McGuire at the Oshkosh Examiner talking about uh, some of the uh, stories, including the cost overruns on the new middle school that uh, he uncovered this week. Also, we uh, expect to hear from Senator Ron Johnson as well to explain his comments on uh, not pushing the Oshkosh Corporation to uh, build their mail trucks in the uh, Oshkosh area. And Oshkosh Mayor Lori Palmieri will join us at uh, 10.05 to discuss uh, some of those topics and 
what is going to be done with those giant water tanks that they need to build adjacent to Menominee Park? And a couple of other things we're working on as well for tomorrow's show. I'm Jonathan Krause. Thanks for joining us here on Krause & Company. We'll be back again tomorrow at 8.30. Until then, enjoy Focus Fox Valley with Haley Tenpass next. Mm-hmm.